2: Alright, we are back. Light years podcast. Andy Lou, Sam, Esfendiari. We are what are we talking about this time? KD's legs? Like leg day? Is that what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, how the Warriors decided to go cheap on trainers. Can't even get KD a proper trainer to get him get him some uh some strong legs like lebron right?
2: can you imagine can you imagine being seven feet tall trying to do squats though like
1: oh yeah. yeah it's terrible um i've seen i mean i've worked out with people who are like over six five and it's just like <laughs> six five is tall like for an average person and just like compound height onto it you're like hey, it's got to just be hell on your joints Yeah, you got to like, there's
2: so many things that you got to be like, you got to be wary of. Remember when KD couldn't bench 225? Remember that was the thing?
1: Yeah, well, it's so funny. I remember it's like, uh, and I bought into it because it was what, 2007? And the idea that like, you know, to not take the traditional big man who could be like the next Patrick Ewing or something. It's like, no, you got to take Greg Oden. Guy, oh my this God. guy can't even um this guy can't even bench 225 or he can't bench 185 that's what it was because <laughs> N- Nba combine they do um 185 uh nfl's 225 that's NFL's
2: right you're right you're right you're right it's 185
1: <laughs> so it's like it was just like oh this guy's gonna be so weak and you know it's it's a man's game and like all that sort of like 90s bravado stuff and i'm like you know you, you step back and you think right it, it's like i don't know that dude was pretty dominant why do we think he can't be dominant in the pros
2: <laughs> yeah i i was all about greg odin too I, I god it's like how i was all about kevin love over clay you know what i mean i was all it's all about that big guy i definitely i definitely was that type of fat i definitely fed into that, well, like you know one, get the big guy
1: one it's only in the last like five years that people believed you, you didn't need to like a big to win um even like with you know, when the Lakers were dominant with Kobe, it was always like, well, you need, you need like a big man with him, you know, that sort of thing. And then second, I mean, the Warriors have never had a big man. So I feel like <laughs> anyone who grew up on the Warriors like had an irrational thirst for big men because it's just like, you know, I mean, who's the best Warriors big man um, pre Bogut? In my lifetime, um, I mean, there was Weber that one year. It, it might have been Bedrin's. I don't know. You know, like you have to go <laughs> back. You have to go back to before you and I were were conscious and watching the teams to them having good big men. God, it's probably. Be, I feel like we bring Beedrins up
2: on the pod like every other week. It's pretty impressive, actually, how we kind of just stumble into it. You know, some <laughs> somebody somebody texted me and said, "One of my friends said." What the like? What the fuck is this? And he, he was looking at the bucks uh, box score. He was like, "When the fuck did Brooke Lopez start shooting threes? And I was like, "Dude, like he could always shoot. It's just that in today's NBA, like it's it's bombs away. It's green light,
1: no matter yeah, what." Yeah, he was and he was already taking crazy. threes. He was taking threes at the Nets and Lakers, but like a modest amount. You know, like three to four a game. Um, this year, it's just kind of like man if you have 15 open shots take them all (laughs) i was i i I saw he's taking more threes per game than clay which is a different problem uh, that we can get into but i mean just to put it in perspective he's playing like 26 minutes a game and he's taking more threes than clay
2: I I think too that's a a schematic thing, right? It is, but you know that's. Well, actually, speaking of the Bucks, why don't we why don't we just talk about that? Because the Warriors got completely annihilated by uh, by the Bucks, which is you know kind of kind of interesting, considering that the Bucks always give them problems anyway.
1: Yeah. So two things. One, I think last week we might have undersold how legit the Bucks are relative to the East. Um, That top of the East is. It's, it's just nice that they, they have, like, four legit contender interesting teams for once as opposed to just, like, LeBron and, you know, like, people talking themselves into Paul George. <laughs> so, uh, that's one thing. But, like, the the other thing, uh, I threw it out there during the game, and I got a lot of responses. I think that might have been the just biggest ass-kicking the Warriors have got in the KD era. Um, a lot of people said that first game with... Uh, against the Spurs, you know his first game as a Warrior. But I'll, I'll always be like, dude, it's their first game, you know. And then like a lot of their other big losses um, had either Steph or KD out. In which case, like I'm not going to count like a game in which they're missing like you know Steph Curry as like you know a benchmark game. This one they had Steph and KD out there, and they were just dominated.
2: Yeah, you you know what it is too. Like part part of it, it's like Curry's not an idiot. And when he starts Jordan Bell and Damian Jones together, um against a team that obviously wants to prove that it's like an elite contender right so they're coming in like hot they're coming in 120 yeah they're coming up the, that
1: 2014-15 warriors intensity. like like they were trying to beat the heat remember back then yeah, like yeah, that yeah. kind of
2: you know that kind of vibe and the warriors trot out you know two big guys and i i get that steve kerr has done it in big moments before but he's not going to do it nowadays in those big moments the game has changed too so Part of it's like Steve Kerr probably doesn't care that much. The players probably do, but you know you gotta you gotta be put in the right positions. And without Draymond, you know, it's so, kind of tough. So. so
1: a couple couple thoughts on that. Um, I reject the idea that Kerr's kind of done that. Like Kerr's done the thing where he won't go small and wants to keep one center in there with Draymond. But I've never seen him in a big moment put two big men in there, and that's kind of what bothers me about it. It's like there's experimenting. Or just like, oh, let's see, you know, let's see how McKinney, Clay, and Jonas Tarepko look. You know, like a plausible lineup combination. And then there's just throwing that <laughs> out there when you know there's no scenario where kid, or, or sorry, kid. Wow, that's that's how annoyed I am. No, uh, where Kerr Whoa. would, where Kerr would ever uh, put Jordan Bell and Damian Jones in a playoff game together. He just wouldn't, you know. If if Draymond is out or in foul trouble. KD's at the four. If KD's in trouble, uh, he might even put Iguodala at the four before he does any of that. You know, like he knows that that's just a a no-go lineup. Like the only way that lineup would see minutes in a meaningful playoff game is A, if you're trying to buy like a minute at the end of the quarter because of foul trouble or B, um, you know, both KD and Draymond are injured in which case, like, I mean, you got much bigger problems in the lineup. (laughs) Um. Kevin Durant after
2: the um, after the last game uh, the where they game. Uh, yeah after the Brooklyn game said you know that it was it was a good choice that the Warriors you know started Jonas Jarebko at, at the four which I I really like that Katie said that because a lot of the Warriors Clay Steph um, they won't on a, they won't say anything right and, and you know they they don't they probably they're kind of used to it they're like hey this is who Steve is we don't really care Katie's like you know what fuck that I'm gonna come out here and I'm gonna say like you should have started. You know, sure I'd call it the four against. The yeah, Bulls, like or you he, should have whoever, right? Like, let's not, let's not like kind of beat around the bush. Steve Kerr messed that up, and rather regardless of whether he did that on purpose or not, that's just one of those things. It's refreshing to see a player kind of call Steve out because you know Kerr certainly calls the players out. He calls Bell out. He calls you, you know, know Steph and I, out, and I so. think
1: KD was he seemed notably frustrated um, after the Milwaukee game. Like you know, he wanted to guard Giannis. I think people, <laughs> I think people think KD is soft, but like if anything KD wants to show he's the best player in the league. Whether he is or he isn't is a different debate, but in his mind he is. He has every reason to believe it. And he he wants the like he loves going at LeBron because he wants people to say he's better than LeBron, you know? And he he knows how people think of Giannis. He he wanted that matchup and he didn't get that matchup and they got embarrassed. So, <laughs> I think I think there's some of that. I mean, it, it's partially selfish. You know, he wants to show that he's better than the guy. Whereas like Kerr is always going to like, it doesn't matter. You know, all that matters is the team and us getting where we need to go by the end of the year.
2: I mean, it's true. Both guys are right. It's, to be honest, I, I'd err kind of on, on Kerr's side. I'd, I'd kind of be like, yo, honestly, dude, it's it's not even mid-November. Right. Like, who November? cares?
1: I will <laughs> who, say. Uh, who cares? You, You're right, but I will say this. This is where Kerr does deserve some blame for the complacency we saw last year. Like, you know a bunch of the Warrior players rolled their eyes when they saw that lineup, and then they got disengaged, and then they got destroyed, you know? Like, Kerr has to think a little ahead and be like, you know, I got I to gotta keep these guys engaged. Like, remember that Phoenix game last year where he let the players coach and all of a sudden they look they look like a different team that they'd look for a month? Like, on some level, when you're doing that, like, tyrant thing, like, we play my way, you know, don't question anything I say, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're just going to have dudes check out, you know? It's just natural, particularly for a mid-November game.
2: There, There's the other piece where he kind of said, hey, Jordan Bell, we kind of can't play you on unless it's at the four right now, right? And then Jordan Bell comes out and has a honestly has a spectacular game against the Nets and actually played a ton more minutes than he usually does. Um, and he was great on defense and he was great on offense. So um, that that's kind of like one of those things where Kerr sees that and he's like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to do more of this kind of stuff. Um, and, and whatever it may be, however, he's coaching Jordan Bell, right? You probably don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but he's kind of giving him that, tough luck, a tough guy kind of kind of style. And I can't tell if it's working or not, but I am getting annoyed about how they are treating Damian Jones um, because he's not good at basketball, and I don't see him being good at basketball. And um, that's you're kind of wasting Jordan Bell's developmental minutes uh, it, it, from that standpoint because just give all the minutes you can to Bell. I mean, even if he's undersized or not, just throw him out there, let him play because – I don't see for Damian Jones he's yeah, no, he's not even Javale McGee. So count, counter
1: counterpoint one, I think his upside is basically Javale. Like that's what he can get to that type of player, which is fine. It's still not like you know the biggest difference maker. It's just like a fine rotation piece that works mm-hmm. in specific stuff. Um, on a different note, like yeah, it's very clear that Kerr. Coaches Bell harder than he coaches other guys, and Bell's not doing something he wants him to do, um, and so he's giving him the tough love thing, like you said. Um, but Jones is clearly doing those things to 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 curse eyes. I think this is more about habits. I think this is you remember last year Jordan Bell had the thing where like he thought he made it and like wasn't showing up to optional practices, yeah, yeah. that sort yeah. of thing. So I really think it comes down to like Damian Jones, Kayvon Looney, Looney's actually. Yeah, he's actually good. really good. the way, anyway, th- like those dudes are no nonsense workers. Jordan Bell is, is coming across um, less of that when he should be that. Yeah, and I think that's a yeah. lot of what it comes down to. And I think uh, if nothing else, I you know I get what Kerr is doing with not playing um, or with with giving Jones minutes over him. Is this kind of saying like, hey man, you you got to earn it. You know, I'm not just going to give it to you because you you showed out last year. You know, a couple times.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's really fair, <laughs> right? That, that's true. Cause you can kind of see Jordan bell be that, that type of person. And it's like, dude, you're not Draymond green either. You know what I mean? Like you should be playing more minutes, but you're also not, you know, you also not a star like Draymond worked his ass off and and got to that second round where he like kind of locked up Blake Griffin and you kind of saw, saw him right become that s- superstar that he is today. Jordan Bell, you're like, "No, nah, I don't really see it yet." I mean, he should still be solid, but to me it's just like I'm just I'm just like, dude, Damian Jones is just like his defense is so bad. Like he makes the same mistakes that Bell does and it's like uh, come on, what are we doing here? Um but, you know, that's 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 something we're kind of nitpicking because we're bored and Steph is injured again and so we don't get to talk about Steph for 30 minutes like we did last week so um, this is what we do we talk about Jordan Bell versus Damian Jones
1: so on the Steph note what's the the latest news is you know it's it's kind of day-to-day it's not that bad um he's not playing Monday against the Clippers I highly doubt he plays Tuesday either oh chance yeah um do you think we? Does he think he plays Thursday against the Rockets? Probably oh, I oh, I bet you he
2: tries but I don't know. oh I know I he'll will. try. Do you think? He will? But but I mean <laughs> no no. If it's up to no.
1: if it's up to Steph, he'll probably he'd probably say he could play tomorrow.
2: Yeah know? that's true. Yeah I I doubt he plays right. There, there's no chance like a, a first you don't, you especially in the regular season don't want him in that first game back from like what is it an adductor is that a groin thing like yeah. you don't want him you know kind of twisting and, and going all out against Chris Paul on that thing. Chris Paul is going to be grabbing and clutching anyway, so like that's I mean, he, not gonna he, has be no other, he has no other he has
1: no other move. They're just gonna start punching them,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. start punching and, and and spitting and all that kind of stuff so that's like that's not really a first game you want them to come back on so i, I doubt that but they have like four or five games right coming
1: up so yeah, it's it's six and um six and nine nights um yeah. so this is posting monday morning so um yeah they get clippers hawks then they go to texas they do the texas trip you got houston uh mavericks spurs um and then, then they got a few days off and then Wednesday the twenty first against the Thunder at Oracle. I actually think that's probably when he returns. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Um, that's a full almost two weeks from the day he injured it. It'd be thirteen days, um, and assuming you know he's healthy, that sounds like a good game to return. If not that one, the next one is also friday against portland um i don't know I don't, we don't need to go oh, through that's the yeah that's
2: pretty far but we you know, don't need to I, go through the
1: schedule but like my, my point is i kind of think he's probably out for the texas road trip which like it would have been fun to see him against the rockets and the spurs but you know it is what it is you know
2: i actually you know now that i think about it he might not because he's he is gunning for an mvp right he's gunning for stats this season so that that is probably something where he's like you know I, you know you miss too many games you kind of start to slip out of that public consciousness and you want to be in that, you know, you know, mind frame because he did, has struggled the last couple games. So you kind of want him to, or he wants to probably be in there and say, hey, I'm right. still averaging 30 plus points. But, you know, whatever. Um, KD looked great. Um, one of those where, where it's like I tweeted this out and, and I was like, this is what KD can do on any other team. He could easily be averaging 32, 8 and 8 and like be the MVP. And instead of doing that, because that's, that's an easy way to play, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's, he's comfortable doing that. Like there's not really much pressure because like he may not be a title contender, but instead he's kind of put himself to where he actually is on a team where it could be the greatest team of all time. Like that's, that's a different type of pressure, regardless of what you think of how easy it is. So it, it is pretty cool to, to see him be that player. Cause then when you see that, you know, me and you are probably thinking like, that's, that's the guy that's better than LeBron. Like as of right now it's like and it's not close.
1: Like yeah. that's a guy that can do everything. He had some quotes um last year where he, he basically said, like, you know, I I could average more, you know, points, rebounds, and assists, but then I wouldn't get to show my all around game. And talking about his defense, talking about um screen setting, like move it, working off ball. It was more about working off ball than setting screens. He's not, not the greatest screen setter. But, um, you know, it, it, his point was actually very valid. He's like, you know, yeah, I could just gun for a triple-double or I could, sh- you know, play the game kind of a more pure way and, like, show my all-around game. And that's what he does, and that's kind of you – know, when he gets frustrated, I think it's usually drawn from that. He's because he's it's exactly what you're saying. He's like, dude, I could average 32, 8, and 8, but I wouldn't be playing a better game than I am right now. But that seems to be like all that matters to you, you being like media and the consciousness, um, to be recognized as like, you know, a great all around player. Yeah. Um,
2: it's it's he might care about those things, right? He and does. actually, it's it segues into uh, into a question that we uh, that we had. You know, we had our light light years podcast mailbag, and was this from Alejandro uh, Samaniego? Sorry if I pronounced that. Actually, that was pretty good. I think um, <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Just take, take a victory lap with me. Yeah, <laughs> that was not bad. Gotta add an accent in there the next time. Um, so, uh, do media events such as Durant being given the Chase Center tour matter towards free agency, or would the lack of an invite be more impactful?
1: Um, so I'll go first. My thought is the lack of an invite. Like, if he didn't want to see yes. it, I yes. would be like, whoa, you know? But yes. th- I don't know that I read too much into him seeing it. So, one thing you should know is he the only Warrior who lives in San Francisco? Um, <laughs> Right now, he might be. Uh, I know he definitely does. So it's it's a little easier for him to do that. But, like it, it's just less of a ask for him to go over there than like you know Steph to go out from like Walnut Creek wherever he's living. I'm surprised Clay doesn't live in SF, but I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know that I read too much into it. Like you know, we we've kind of got to know Katie over the last like two and a half years. He's he's just kind of an agreeable guy in most settings. Like he's gonna wanna do that stuff and he's gonna say the right things. So I wouldn't like you know, take his quotes like I could see myself scoring a lot of points here to me like done deal, five <laughs> year, you know. <laughs> well that that's how OKC
2: fans read his quotes, right? They were like they were like, Hey, whatever he said, they would twist in away They would say, Hey, Katie's going he, he can't leave. He can't leave and and that's we all most know fan KD, bases though that that is true i will say this um i think it's a great opportunity for and, and i lake up is i'm mean, probably one of the greater sales you know owners that we know right this is a great like opportunity for them to just keep pitching kd you know and i'm sure they already have throughout this season and say hey like you're the guy that's gonna bring in this arena like you're the guy that's bringing in like Chase Center, which is like it's it's going to be the spot in San Francisco. We'll have you know we'll have Steve Berman come on later and talk to it about this. But this is going to be the central spot in the city, right? That anybody cares about, and they're going to pitch that
1: to KD. It's like
2: if KD wants to go to New uh, York,
1: no more uh, no more Bill Graham for you. Everything's going to be Chase now.
2: I'm really excited if they're going to start doing concerts and raves at at look. I'm listening. I'm getting a little bit too old for raves but you know once every month or two months i still go i do want to see one at chase it does look pretty cool so um, uh, but i mean can you imagine like madison square garden right that's like the the quote-unquote mecca right it's, it's cool like that's where you want to be but like i guess that's where lake would say hey this is going to be the spot 20 years from now where people are going to look back and chase center and you know what it was kevin durant it was steph curry that brought this arena into the nba they started something that's now become like this this west coast you know this this norcal staples center west coast madison square kind of thing so i mean i guess that'd be the vision Uh, and and KD may be someone that's willing to listen about that type of thing
1: yeah i think a lot of um people around the Um, a lot of media people you talk to kind of think like it's going to be really hard for him to walk away right as they're opening it. Like now he might sign a one year and decide it's not that great and leave in 2020, but it's really hard to see the dude. Like all the, all the talk has been about like, man, we're going to the chase center. We're going to the chase center, you know? And then just like to just peace out before the first game. It's, it's, it's hard, you know? I think I think he I think he's gonna want to see it, but you never know. I mean, he's acted impulsively. Like everyone in OKC kind of felt he was gonna just do the one year so he could get the ten year super max, and you know he didn't. So, um, you know, it wouldn't be beyond him to uh, to walk. But uh, if you're the Warriors, you gotta feel pretty good about your chances, and that's without talking about all the basketball reasons.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. We we got we got. One last. I think we should take one more before we get Steve on. And and this one fits into uh, the trade that happened, I think, uh, yesterday morning. So this one's from uh, Dylan Black. Came up while I was chatting with a Celtics fan last night. Why the fuck are you chatting with a Celtics fan? Where does Butler rank among all guards in the NBA? Jimmy Butler. I have him somewhere right around the outside the top 10. Uh, This guy was trying to tell me he's way better than Kemba, which I don't agree with. Curious where you and Sam rank him. And you could probably talk about, you know, if this matters um uh in regards to the Eastern conference
1: yeah <laughs> so now he's in now he's Philly and that's a that's a weird roster um i'm they're going to make some more moves they're definitely going to get some sort of shooting somehow uh but it's going to be uh they they might be sneaky uh Dysfunctional fun. You know, like a ton, <laughs> a ton of talent, like Embiid, Butler, Simmons, like they should win a lot of games just on pure talent. But like the fit's clunky. Um, Jimmy wants the ball. Ben Simmons needs the ball because he can't do anything without it. And, um, you know, then you got Embiid, who obviously want to get the ball too. You know, you're not going to turn him into a uh, just kind of a rim roller or a spot up guy. So it's, it's going to be. Uh, it's gonna be weird, but back to the initial question. Um, I think he is better than Kemba. Um, you, I think more of Jimmy than you, but um, I don't know. He's probably somewhere between five and ten among guards, in my opinion.
2: Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say five and ten in the in the NBA. No, um, no. I think uh, I think uh, our friends, uh, Gulliver, Well, Sharp isn't part of it. I think Oliver ranked him top. 10 in the SI top 100 so I'd probably have them maybe in the 15 to 20 range uh maybe like the top 12 13 if you know if I'm feeling good about it but yeah I mean it's a weird fit but I, I just I don't they have to do it right Philly had to do it because they're, who else are they gonna get Right, they're not going to get Kawhi or, or, or Clay or, or anybody else, and they need that guy because Mark Foltz is a freaking bust. And until he figures out how to shoot a basketball, which at this point, I don't think it's going to happen. Right, I'm like, I'm not, I don't think it's a hot take to say the guy's not going to be able to shoot for the rest of his career. Like, he just can't shoot. It's been a year and a half. <laughs> this is not a two week problem, and he- it's a
1: uh, his entire NBA problem, and it's like, um. They should have done what they should have moved him last summer when like there was still value there and people that's kind of, tough though oh, it is tough but like they're gonna get nothing for him like there, he, yeah. he, he, he'll yeah. he fits terribly with Butler and like he already fit terribly with what they had like add another guy who wants the ball who's not really a shooter and Jimmy um I don't know what Fultz is gonna do you know like uh,
2: he he rookie what Fultz was supposed to be would be the perfect fit, right. uh, on this roster, like a, you know, 38% three-point shooter slasher defender. Like, can you imagine if you play like this defense is going to be amazing, right? Like that that's, you're going to get that. But yeah, I mean, with Butler, my, my, my thing with Butler is I, I just don't, I don't see him as someone that makes anyone better and he, he's not good enough. Like he's like Russ, like in that realm where he, he doesn't make anybody better and he's not good enough to lead you to, you know, maybe anything anywhere past the, 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 second round even. So I so, do think
1: he actually but I do think he pairs perfect with Embiid where he's the number 2 to Embiid um because one the defense makes sense and two, you know, you want a perimeter guy with Embiid and he kind of fits that mold perfectly. They both like to play like kind of a methodical pace. So I kind of like that fit. But then then you got the Simmons thing in there. Simmons wants to play a different style and I don't know. It's just going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be funny because you, I, they're going to drop some bad games because, like, there's going to be nights where just, like, you know, they can't figure out how to play together. And that's when they're, they're going to get really frustrated with each other. It's like, how are we losing to um, Charlotte, you know, this, you know, a team who's clearly less talented than us but has an identity?
2: You know, you know what I would do? Um, and I said this the other day. I would trade Simmons. Like, he has a trade value. You can get a ton of stuff for him. People think highly of him. You can just play Fultz, who essentially is a shorter version of Simmons right now, um, and can maybe figure that shot. I'd give Fultz a higher chance of figuring a shot out than Simmons. You flip Simmons for guys that can shoot or whatever it is that you flip him for. All of a sudden, you have a team that makes a lot more sense because Fultz isn't going to necessarily...
1: It's hard to flip... Simmons at age 22 knowing you have like team control of him for seven or six more years or six more years um it's very hard to give that up even though like everything you're saying makes sense or let me put it <laughs> differently i would want a ton back for him i'd be like i'd be like give me clay and draymond you know
2: that type <laughs> of thing they get
1: clay and draymond they are winning the finals
2: probably <laughs> oh man um yeah so i i i think the the east have what four teams that are, are at least right now more interesting to watch and maybe better than the uh than the uh than the houston rockets or anybody in the west so um it's a nice change all right so before, before we get to steve we're gonna do another ad read um we're gonna do it for my bookie so so sure we're watching football's fun but it's more entertaining when you have action on the game Guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks or just one week and some of you are still on the sidelines. So if you're not in this, get on it right now. Whether you're an expert or rookie, experts like me and Sam, um, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you should create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on. college basketball, Football, NBA, hockey, custom props, right? You can kind of make up your own. Even eSports, you name it. My MyBookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use. So sign up this week. MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure to follow BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention in DM, not to mention that they've given away more than 10000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. So don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code BLUEWIRE and to get a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, cool. Now we have one of... Is it old friends? Is that cool, Steve, if I say that? From uh, Bay Area Sports Guy now, from The the Athletic. Congrats on that, and uh, how you doing? It's been a while.
3: I know, man. It's uh, been a while since I've been uh, hanging out with you on Press Row for Warriors games, and... Making fun of uh, everything that's going on at Oracle Arena. So yeah, it's good to talk to you again.
2: <laughs> I, I dude, I don't even go I I recently quit, so I don't go anymore either, so that that make both of us.
1: Oh
2: really? um <laughs> did, the real well, question is are you season's...
1: both gonna come back when they're in chase next year? You gonna pull on the, the Durant uh, shorts and shorts and construction boots look and get out there?
3: Yeah, there's really nothing easier than making it down to San Francisco for an evening game. I mean, Andy and I used to always complain about driving from the city to Oracle back when I lived in San Francisco. It would take like an hour and a half to go 11 miles, but <laughs> I, I live in Calistoga now, and driving oh, to luck. San Francisco and trying to park, yeah, no, I don't really know if I want to like park at Lafayette and take BART there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that that might be like a three times a year type of trip now.
3: <laughs> exactly.
1: Um. So you had a good uh. You had a good article last last week. Um. And that's why we wanted to get you on um. On the athletic, the media column, the battle for San Francisco is on, um. And the Warriors have an enormous lead over the Giants. So you kind of you, you want to talk about this for a minute because this has been an undercurrent for for a while, but it hasn't really been discussed. And I'm glad someone actually put a a pen to paper on it
3: well thanks thanks sam i actually the headline i chose was an enormous head start i didn't really and they swapped in lead (laughs) uh one of the editors which i really didn't make that much of a difference but you can just tell based on i mean the, the warriors their goal is to not just own the bay area but own san francisco at large because they know that if you own the city then you pretty much own every single type of uh, discussion chamber that there is because people don't really like to go to Oakland or San Jose as much as they like to go to San Francisco. So it's a pretty easy sell to say, hey, you know, we'll set you up with a room on Market Street at a fancy hotel, and then we'll just uh, take you to Chase Center, which is a mile away. And the Giants know this. The Giants are really well set up on their own financially because they've paid off their stadium already. And they had the Mission Rock development that uh, has been kind of going up slowly over time. Right. You know, the Anchor Steam stuff and all that kind of stuff. And But they kind of thought, I think, that they would that they have that whole ra- range of San Francisco, which is sort of the, uh, the un-mined uh, property that everyone would want to uh, be in in 20 years. And especially when the Warriors are trying to go after that uh, pure... Peer- was it Pier 31 or whatever it yeah. was, Pier 33, where the Java house was? And that was uh, just dead in the water from the very beginning, even though they had that huge press conference because the NIMBYs in San Francisco weren't going to let that occur. And <laughs> also, there's like a lot you're also building a, a giant arena on top of a bunch of, uh, you know unstable situations there with the peers, but uh, it, was, it was
1: a bold idea. It wasn't the it best was, idea. But it, was it, bold. it
3: was, it was, it was like pretty much like what the A's like try to do on Twitter, but they actually put money into it. And, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, we're going to do this and this and this. And, and the, the lake have actually put money into it for a little bit. They were going to do some environmental reports, but they realized there's no way in hell it was going to happen. Just the political backlash too. but, I think the Giants were hoping that they'd be close to the Bay Bridge and not get into their neighborhood. And now that they're in the neighborhood, the, all that stuff about Bay Unite that you see on Twitter when they do the hashtag, next <laughs> and they right. in the Giants hat, even though he's also been seeing an A's hat and he's actually a Red Sox fan, all that stuff is total bullshit. Uh, <laughs> they definitely don't want to have the Warriors infringing on their property, especially when they're sort of a weak point in their, not just their franchise, but I think MLB in general is uh, definitely sort of trying to find itself and what they're going to be in the next twenty years, and the NBA they're just like golden. They they know what they are and what they're going to be, and they're just kind of cruising. and The Warriors are at the very top of that level.
1: Yeah, if you're a um, if 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 you're an exec in some company in San Francisco you're taking your client to see the warriors over the giants right now. And it's not even a, a contest, you know, it's like, <laughs> you, particularly if it's like people mean, under the age of 50, it's, it's a very easy sell.
2: So, so I, I had a question because I'm curious about this piece. Um, is it San Francisco as Sam and see if you know as well, a lot of people that live here now aren't from here. Right. And so they're going to be like, okay, the giants are great, but the warriors are the fun team to watch. we're, probably going to end up watching them but for the people that have you know ties to both teams there's room for both teams in the city though right is that far-fetched or is
3: that not absolutely yeah Yeah, i mean especially i mean the giants aren't going anywhere they're not like in a crater and and become some sort of lesser franchise but there definitely was a momentum the giants had where they were kind of taking over the city. They were becoming Red Sox West. And once that stopped with 2015 and 2016, 2017, as the team started to kind of wind down and uh, the players that used to be good stopped being good, then you you didn't see quite that same sort of uh, energy and vibe in the city where everyone's wearing giant stuff. Because, yeah, it, it's not just even San Francisco. I mean, anywhere you go, the winners are going to get – a lot of attention but the the really the, I mean I know that Warriors fans are gonna hate this but it's really a it's, to me San Francisco is turning into Los Angeles where even if the if the Warriors stay this hot for about five to ten more years where if they keep uh, supplanting uh, replenishing their superstars you know okay we uh, we lose Durant but maybe we get Anthony Davis and we just keep they just keep rolling and being competitive then then you're talking about a situation where they become the most important team in town. And even when the Giants are doing well, people are talking more about the Warriors. Same thing in L.A. L.A. is a Lakers town. I mean, All they care about is the Los Angeles Lakers, even when the Dodgers are doing well. The Dodgers have a lot. Hmm. of fame. Yeah. But it's a it's one of those situations where if you dig your heels in at the right time and you become the iconic franchise of a city, then that actually means something to me, at least.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and what it, where it really shows is when the team goes into a down down cycle, are they still yeah. gener- are they still the number one talking point? Like we saw it with the Niners uh in the post Steve Young era for how long like they still were the number one story all through the OOs, even though they sucked, you know? Like what they would they would be the thing everyone would want to talk about. And it's that way in L.A. with the Lakers, too. They've been bad up until this year when they got LeBron. But it, season starts, that's the number one thing people want to
3: talk about. Yeah, it doesn't really even matter. It's a, the Even when the Dodgers were winning 95 games and the Lakers were winning 25 games, the conversation, if you drive down to L.A. and listen to Sports Talk Radio, which is granted a kind of faulty way to uh, – gauge any sort of intelligent thinking whatsoever, but this <laughs> kind of tell you a little bit about, because those guys are really paying attention to Twitter and what people are talking about. They want to make sure people listen. And when the conversation, I'm driving around, the conversation's about what they're going to do with Al Deng and Brooke Lopez. I'm like, really? <laughs> people give a shit about Lou Deng and Brooke Lopez at this point yes they really do and they and they're like oh if Julius Randles he's gonna turn into the the next uh Carl Malone and it, it's, it's it's really <laughs> that, I love that,
1: sports talk radio. now <laughs>
3: it, it, it's the best I mean that's pretty much like if if the Warriors were in that same position the Lakers were back in the uh, 2000s like people would be calling in talking about Ike Diagu being like one of the up and coming power forwards in the NBA at some point and And uh, all that kind of stuff going on that that fans of the Warriors think is ridiculous now because they remember growing up in the <laughs> 90s and 2000s when the team was absolute trash most years and really was an afterthought. I mean, Andy, you know, as well as I do, I mean, when we first started covering the team, there was many empty. There were em, many empty seats on Press Row. Nowadays, not at all. And the Warriors are actually a nationally covered team. The Giants have never been a nationally covered. That team. That
2: is, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's just, how how about ninety five seven KNBR? How about because I find that fascinating because uh, there are so many times when. Um, living here in, in the city in the Bay Area that they'll go for the Giants like it'll be Giants 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 They'll talk about Giants. That's number one. And then even up to about two years ago I'd say it would still be the Giants over anything regardless of what the Warriors are doing So is there a type of battle that's going on there between um, you know, how how Lake wants this to? You know to look and feel and sound on the airwaves and and TV.
3: Oh Absolutely I mean, just ask Matt Steinmetz what uh, Joe of thinks about uh, how they're being portrayed on TV. Oh, maybe I should have uh, shouldn't have gone there. But, uh, <laughs> we will really let Matt talk about that at some point. But uh, yeah, the the Warriors are definitely very, very tuned into what everyone's saying, as all these teams are. Trust me, if if every one of these teams, they have rabbit ears, and they definitely, if you're not talking about them the way they want to be talked about. They know, they have PR people that will tell you. Some PR staffs are a little bit more gentle than others, but they're all worried about it to some extent, and that's the reason why Joe Lacob went to 95.7. It was a power move. I mean, he had no idea what would go on at the end of those three years except for the fact that the Warriors were obviously really good and in a great negotiating position. So, hey, let's if this other station is going to put us number one, then why are we going to sit here and let the Giants contract – Uh, put us on 1050 or 810 or whatever you know know, i mean during a finals game no joke marty lurie is talking about the the san francisco giants against the new york mets or something as i'm rolling (laughs) into oracle getting ready to watch one of the most momentous basketball games of
0: all first
1: finals in 40 years Yeah, yeah i mean it's
3: like it's it's Warriors-Cavs, one of the best finals in a long time. And and we're hearing Marty Lurie talk about, you know, this week in Giants history or whatever. And, <laughs> and so, you know, Lake wasn't happy about that. And so, that's really the – that's why they did this. And so, now the Warriors are in an amazing position because Cumulus is uh, going to look at KBR and say, okay, you guys used to be dominant when the Giants were good. And now the ratings have pretty much gone even between the two. And if they look wow. at the, the ratings – between the demographics they like, the 25 to 50 year old uh, men, the actually 957 over the last two months has been winning. So, KBR has got to come up with some money wow. and some plans to get the Warriors back, I would think, unless they just totally want to give up. And 957 is not going to want to give up the Warriors because you know the A's already left and and the Raiders are leaving. So, it's going to be a really interesting fight to see who gets that team.
2: Yeah, that's fascinating. Coming as someone that grew up listening to. Kind of Marty, Marty Lurie, right? Kind of like baseball and, and 680, 1050, that kind of thing. So so we I need to I need to personally get your thoughts on the uh our best friend Fitz. So what is uh we know <laughs> Barnett was uh we know JB was gonna be some I think he was like a couple years ago he said he was gonna retire, right? Or something like that. They brought him back. Um Fitz <sighs> Warriors gotta love him, right because he's someone that's kinda like more so, he's a cheerleader, kind of like how me and Sam are on Twitter. But he's like also <laughs> infuriating <laughs> on TV way, way less for a enter- lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> way less entertaining. So, so how about him? What what's the deal there? And and is he just gonna be the guy that's the voice of the Warriors for the rest of you know forever?
3: The rest of time, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, for Warriors fans who are listening and and think you know fits this right for the picking. Uh, <laughs> no, they actually there was a story that was fed to me through channels from the Warriors just to write about the fact that Fitz wasn't going anywhere, and <laughs> if you contrast that with JB, <laughs> who they tried to get rid of, and then until there was a whole interesting led by Adam Lordson and a bunch of other people, you know, you know, keep JB, uh, and it, they kept him on, but he's on a year-to-year contract. I mean, I've talked to him hmm. about why is that. Uh, that's the way a lot of uh, announcers are, but for some reason Fitz is on a multi-year deal. I have no idea what Laka loves about Fitz, but I'm guessing you know they both like to golf. Uh, they both have very high opinions of themselves and and <laughs> like to hear themselves talk. I mean, <laughs> r- granted, so do the three of us, but uh, you know it's, it's in a different kind of way, a, a sort of a. Upper class, more Atherton situation, and uh, I think that there's there's something where they get along really well. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if Fitz was going to get tossed, then it should have been after he made a very innocuous situation super weird with Kevin Durant. You know, like why are you doing this? But. You know what, Joe? I'm I'm thinking about it. Joe Lacob probably was happy with that because he's like, "Why is Kevin Durant holding us hostage?" You know, oh, I thought that was pretty funny that Fitz was saying that. I'm, I mean, I'm just guessing. I'm so <laughs> I, I think
1: you're telling us. I think you're telling us Fitz's uh, Fitz's position is safer than Steph Curry's right now.
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah, Joe Lacob. Joe Lacob would ne- would never have to go into the New York Times and say, "You know what." Uh, the Warriors are great is not just because of Bob Fitzgerald, you know, and, and <laughs> Fitz is really good at shooting himself with these owners. J. Of York course, of course. Too. If Ted Robinson goes away from the Niners broadcast for whatever reason, if he says something stupid about uh, domestic violence again, like he did a couple of years ago, then Fitz <laughs> would be the first person they call, not Dave Fleming, even though Fleming is a much better announcer. I mean, I think Fitz is a decent announcer, but he's definitely really, really good and smart about. Picking and choosing who to kiss ass with, so I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. If, uh, I know Fitz is not really a fan of me already, but at this point, <laughs> who cares?
2: Wait, so so I'm I'm interested. Why were they trying to push out uh,
3: Burnett? Well, I think that I mean, based, this is based on stuff that I've more read sure. than heard. Yeah, uh, it seemed like they really wanted Brent Berry and it kind of fell through. Uh, they definitely wanted someone, I think, a little younger just hmm. to sort of take them into the next generation. And then they probably figured, okay, well, now that everyone loves JB, then we'll figure it out when they move to San Francisco. mean, I would not be surprised at all if they replaced JB after this season. I really wouldn't. And just say, like, we'll, we'll put Jim Barnett in a consultant role, you know, kind of thing.
2: Yeah,
3: he, yeah. he just says, hey, every year I find – he told me every year uh, if I still get a paycheck in July – then I realize that I'm still on the roster, so it's not a situation where he's like this golden boy. And I'm sure sometimes, you know, that, you know, maybe there's some times when the Warriors weren't playing so well that JB said things that he, you know, that the Joe Lacob maybe didn't like because Joe Lacob he, he's a big time cheerleader. And so maybe maybe there's something like that. Maybe there's something behind the scenes. I have no idea. So he, he, sh- he basically I, wants
1: him I, to act like um, who are the guys <laughs> for the Giants? Uh, Krug and Kipe. He wants him just just being cheerleaders for the team on the well market. okay i mean that's okay let's most...
2: hey, hey, but at least crook <laughs> and kuyper smart you know like they're smart like they provide actual analysis of what's going on they are boomers but but fitz does it in an insufferable way you know like in a way where it's like it kind of how do you turn your own fans off to you right and, and that's kind of what Fitz, fitz does. comes
1: with this um he, it's the dude who um he has to let you know uh you know that he got an A on this test in high school like he finds ways to weave that into conversations like
2: and, and he has to let you know that you have never gotten an A
3: before and this yeah. is your first time like that's okay oh. or you could say it in two words Notre Dame yeah. <laughs> People who went to Notre Dame like to tell you they went to Notre Dame, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and yeah. I think Kuype actually, they they will kind of get down on the team when they're doing not so well. But they'll also, you know, there's a lot of room to play around in baseball. And Yeah, it's a, it's a
1: different the- speed.
3: And it's really, I mean, in basketball announcing, it's really mostly, I mean, if there's anything off the court, they throw it to Kareth. You know, it's not the situation where they're looking at kids in the stands eating ice cream. So, I, you know, maybe Lacob doesn't agree with Barnett's uh, ideas about basketball. Or maybe he just really liked Brent Berry better and wanted him there. I I, I really don't know. I, it's, I think really it's one of those deals where it's sort of like things that are going on in our politics where – it uh, looks like it's not going to, you know, it's going to go badly for us until there's a hu- huge amount of protesters and then all of a sudden it gets changed around. That was kind of what happened with JB. He was he was going to get uh, let go until uh, everyone on Twitter started doing the save JB thing.
2: Yeah. it's wild. That's wild. I, I also do, you brought up Kareth. I do miss Raw's on the uh, on the TV broadcast and and I, I am curious, not saying that Kareth is doing a bad job or anything, what is, is that something for a team this great? Have they ever thought of kind of like bringing someone that's a little bit, you know, more famous and more kind of a, has done it before kind of thing? Because they are, as you say, like they are close to becoming like the L.A. Lakers, right? It, it's something that they maybe want to think about bringing kind of an all-star cast worth of people to, to do these type of media
1: things.
3: Well, I mean, they work with with NBC on that. And uh, Roz, no one knew who the hell Roz was when she started with the Warriors. Right. You? No one did. I mean, she just sort of was a superstar. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you know, part of it is because the players really liked her and she sort of had kind of uh, basketball cred with them. And also because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, she posts pictures of herself in dresses all the time on Twitter. I mean, guys yeah. like to look at her. I mean, it, 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 let's be honest. I mean, <laughs>
2: <The> guy, Steve. <laughs>
3: But hey, it's it's true. I mean, that, that's that's part of it. That's why she's on. That's part of a reason why she's on TNT. You know, it's it's TV is a visual medium, and I, I think Kareth was brought on because uh, I think she had good credentials covering the UConn team, and so I think they thought they could trust her and that her basketball knowledge. I don't really know what other sideline reporters are have any sort of name. Well, I, value. and
1: I and I also think um, she, you know. She she came on at the the time the Warriors got good, which is just, I mean their their broadcast got cut into nationally literally every game. Of yeah. course, she, you're going to build your name doing that. You know, obviously, you have to be good. If she if she was bad, she would have, it would have been really bad because of the amount of yeah. time they cut into her. But yeah, I mean you're right. It's not like you know it's not like they brought in some national person. It's more she became a national person because of working for them.
3: Yeah, I mean she was there because she was a Stanford player. You know, I mean and they thought, Okay, well she's good on camera. We we like her. She seems likable. The players seem to get along with her. And uh, you know, she's built a name because people were like, Wow, this is actually a sideline reporter that I don't mind watching. <laughs> it actually brings something to the table. You know, I think I think it's is a very hard job too. And and Roz is yeah, a fantastic true. job. She was really good, I think, uh, at Sort of wiggling her way into the huddle and telling us stuff that Steve Kerr would say. So I mean, if right. there's anything, Kareth doesn't quite bring as much as that. I, I I think that she knows her. I should think she knows hoops pretty well, uh, and I think she does. She's really good on TV, in, in my opinion. But Roz was able to somehow like like take Andre Iguodala's a spot in the huddle or something. It's like <laughs> we we'll move over to Andre. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Because she would, like, get some stuff that Steve Kerr would say. I'm like, I don't know if they want that in the air. And I think that was really where I started kind of paying attention to her and thinking, okay, she's she's an up-and-comer. And I saw her, uh, you know, back when we'd be on the floor before playoff games. I mean, Roz is a good networker. I mean, she knows everyone this is before she was on TNT and so I mean she was like a superstar in the waiting it was like obvious from the moment she got hired that she was going to be on to bigger and better things whether it's ESPN or TNT or ABC or whatever and I I think Carrot does a really good job I just don't think that uh, she tries to sort of fit into that Roz role I think that she's someone who's more uh, maybe could do the job for like 10 years
2: yeah uh, so you heard it here first. Steve is going to be the next Warrior Skyline reporter coming up when they go to Chase Center. <laughs> New <laughs> Rick uh, I think I just told
3: you that TV is a visual medium, Andy. <laughs>
2: uh, oh, my man. Hey, uh, Steve, I uh, I really appreciate having you on, man. I miss you. We'll see you at, uh, see you at Chase maybe. And, uh, you know, thanks for coming on. Appreciate oh, yeah, it. I miss
3: you too, man. i never met Sam before in person, but I feel like I know too much about you <laughs> from Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I can talk to you for the first time.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, next time you're at Oracle, let me know. We'll meet up.
3: Oh, absolutely. Perfect.